Hello, this is Father Neil, and welcome to the June 18th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. So today we'll be looking at numbers 1337 through 1344 of the Catechism. The Institution of the Eucharist, paragraph 1337. The Lord, having loved those who were his own, loved them to the end, knowing that the hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. In the course of a meal, he washed their feet and gave them the commandment of love, in order to leave them a pledge of love, in order never to depart from his own, and to make them sharers in his passion, he instituted the Eucharist as the memorial of his death and resurrection, and commanded the apostles to celebrate it until his return. Thereby he constituted them priests of the New Testament. 1338. The three synoptic Gospels and St. Paul have handed on to us the account of the institution of the Eucharist. St. John, for his part, reports the words of Jesus in the synagogue of Capernaum, that prepare for the institution of the Eucharist. Christ calls himself the bread of life, come down from heaven. 1339. Jesus chose the time of Passover to fulfill what he had announced at Capernaum, giving his disciples his body and his blood. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb has to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us, that we may eat it. They went and prepared the Passover, and when the hour came, he sat at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I shall not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup after supper saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. 1340. By celebrating the Last Supper with his apostles, in the course of the Passover meal, Jesus gave the Jewish Passover its definitive meaning. Jesus' passing over to his Father by his death and resurrection, the new Passover as anticipated in the Supper and celebrated in the Eucharist, which fulfills the Jewish Passover and anticipates the final Passover of the Church in the glory of the Kingdom. Do this in memory of me. 1341. The commandment of Jesus to repeat his actions and words until he comes does not only ask us to remember Jesus and what he did. It is directed at the liturgical celebration by the apostles and their successors of the memorial of Christ, of his life, of his death, of his resurrection and of his intercession in the presence of the Father. 1342. From the beginning of the church. From the beginning, the Church has been faithful to the Lord's command. Of the Church of Jerusalem it is written, They devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers, day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They partook of food with glad and generous hearts. 1343. It was, above all, on the first day of the week, Sunday, the day of Jesus' resurrection, that Christians met to break bread. From that time on, down to our own day, the celebration of the Eucharist has been continued, so that today we encounter it everywhere in the Church. With the same fundamental structure, it remains at the centre of the Church's life. 1344. Thus, from celebration to celebration, 
As they proclaim the Paschal mystery of Jesus until he comes, the people of God advances, following the narrow way of the cross, towards the heavenly banquet, when all the elect will be seated in the kingdom, at the table of the kingdom. Okay, so this section on the Eucharist, um, again, um, I suppose, first of all, to see that it is coming from the Last Supper, and the Last Supper was a historical event, that we have the, um, the different eyewitnesses, we have three of the Gospels mention the Supper itself, and also St. Paul, so we have four of these witnesses, and the other one is this chapter 6 of John. John doesn't give us an account of the Last Supper itself, because people say that he probably knew, uh, he'd probably read the Synoptic Gospels and he'd seen the three copies of the uh, of the account. And so uh, he decided to speak about something else. And so he spoke about the meaning, which we can find really in chapter 6, which again is a beautiful, beautiful uh, treatise, a beautiful, beautiful explanation, catechesis, on the homily, on the, um, on the, on the Eucharist, what it is, what it means. And what Jesus says about it himself. But um, the other thing then is, um, first of all, it's something that is historical. That Jesus started the Eucharist, he instituted the Eucharist, he did something specific. And then told his disciples, do this in memory of me. He didn't just say, find something nice to do about me. Remember me, remember me in some way that makes sense to you. No. He said, do this in memory of me. Something very specific. And then the other thing is, and this is actually quite uh, revolutionary, the section that we read today. I don't know whether you, uh, um, if you look at the, the history of theology, the history of the church, there was this time when the church forgot a lot about the Jewish roots of the faith. And, it, uh, and nobody remembered what the Jewish Passover was. And again, the Passover is this feast that the Jews celebrate on the 14th of Nisan every year in the springtime. And it's a feast where they celebrate their liberation from Egypt. It's a very powerful Jewish celebration. They do it uh, following an order, a sidur, uh, um, a Haggadah, a telling, that they have a book called the Haggadah or the Paschal Cedar. And this book they follow, and they basically spend all night at home praying. The father, the family, presides the, 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 the celebration and all of the children are around the table maybe some uncle and aunts or grandparents is there as well or a neighbor uh, especially if there's somebody that doesn't have a family is invited and around the table you have whatever something between a dozen and 30 people uh, all crowded into the dining room for this most important event of the year and it's like the christmas or thanksgiving or everything rolled into one and that they have this um this Massive celebration, but a celebration where everything has a meaning and everything is linked with the Exodus, is linked with the fact that God freed them from slavery. And the unleavened bread is the sign of the bread of haste, that they had to leave Egypt quickly. They had no time to bake bread that, uh, that allowed the dough to rise. They had to have this bread of haste. That was done quickly, so it's like a bit like a pita bread in its origin. Now today they use matzah, but again, matzah, uh, like many things that change, not just in Catholicism, matzah that the Jews use today, if you're familiar with it, um, nothing wrong with it, it is kind of bread as well, but it's kind of like a cracker, and it's because they're baking it 
with the technology of the steam engine. So you have no matzah until you invent the steam engine because the steam engine is what can give the pressure to bake matzah. But in reality, in the time of our Lord, uh, in the biblical times, they were probably using a bread that was unleavened that was kind of a bit more like pita bread um, or, a, or a wheat taco or something like that, that that's what they were using. And then they were using wine. So the bread is the bread of haste, a symbol of the slavery, and the wine is a symbol of eternal life, the symbol of the promised land, that this was the big thing. These bunch of slaves had got their freedom from God. God had granted them freedom. And so now they're free and they're in the uh, and they're leaving the, the slavery and they're given a land, the land of Israel, the promised land, the holy land. And part of the great thing to show them how good God is, is that the vineyards are already planted and the grapes are the symbolism, the symbol of Israel, the symbol of the holy land, the symbol of the bounty of God, of his goodness, of his generosity, of the fact that everything is sheer grace. Everything is given by God. And the wine is this, these poor people coming from the desert. The idea of having wine of their own that they haven't even worked for is something that's amazing. And so every year they make this passage, really, from the bread to the wine. And so these are the, the and so this is what is, uh, what is kind of at the root of the Eucharist that the Catechism is telling us, this, this Hebrew Passover, this Jewish Passover celebration. But as I was saying, that for many centuries, the church had lost track of this. That yes, she had the Gospels, but she wasn't too familiar with the Jewish liturgies anymore. That there was some antipathy between Christians and Jews. And it wasn't until the early 20th century when one of the theologians, Odo Castle, uh, began to speak about, uh, began to study and said, look, they must be related. The ceremony that uh, must be related to what Jesus did in the Last Supper. And in the beginning, they thought he was crazy. In the beginning, they reported him to the to the Inquisition even, the Holy Office in Rome, to to investigate him but in the end they, they they saw that yes that this is kind of his vindication here that the Catholic Catholic Church is saying yes this is true that this is the root of this celebration obviously Christ takes something that is already there and raises it purifies it gives it a deeper meaning an additional meaning makes of it a sacrament the Jewish Passover is not a Christian sacrament Again, it's a wonderful celebration that the Jews have. I don't want to take anything away from it. It's something fantastic. But it is not a Christian sacrament. And we would say that the Christian sacrament is better. But that to understand it, it helps us to understand the roots. What was Jesus doing? So again, Jesus could have been born anywhere, but he was born in the people of Israel. He was born in this particular context. He was born in a nation that God had spent over a thousand years preparing for him spent over a thousand years, over 1500 years, preparing him, preparing this people to be the chosen people so that Christ could be born there. And Jesus operates in this context. He lives in this context, this context of, the Jew, of his Jewishness, where everybody around him is Jewish and therefore he, can, uh, he, he celebrates the first uh, Eucharist, he celebrates the Last Supper, probably as a Jewish Passover meal, but then he changes it. He gives it a new context. So he says, this is now a memorial of me. He says, this is now, a, you know, do this in memory of me. This new memorial, this new anamnesis is the Greek word, that this new memorial is what gives Jesus, is where Jesus gives the Eucharist its power, its energy, 
its goodness, that he himself is present there. When the Jews celebrate the, uh, the Passover, one of the things they say, because they always use the present tense, even though the Passover is over 3,000 years ago, the original Exodus was over 3,000 years ago, they, they say it in the present. We were slaves in Egypt. We did this, we did that. And one of the lines they say is that the, that the right hand of God is still powerful, has not withered. God's right hand, his mighty arm, has not withered and can take us out of slavery to freedom. And now Christ is bringing this to a newer level and he's saying, no, it is me. This is, um, this is linked to me and I am the one that gives it its power. I am the one that gives it its meaning. And he links it to his passion and his resurrection that, we, that, you know, that he's about to enter into. Again, the apostles don't realize what's happening there, but they reflect about it afterwards. And they realize that Christ is um, linking the Eucharist to the Paschal mystery, as the Catechism says. Links it to this cross and resurrection, and then the ascension, the descent of the Holy Spirit, the coming again in glory. But it links it to the Christ event. It links it to Jesus himself. It links it to his divine life. That's why the Eucharist is the source and the summit of all the Christian life, is the source and the summit of the church, is the most important thing we have, is the maximum thing that we have. And so that we're invited to do this in memory of Christ, that the Eucharist is once again a way for us to meet Jesus, a way for us to be close to him, a way for us to find his resurrection and to find that, as the Jews say, that he is still powerful. He is more powerful than any, any difficulty, he is more powerful than anything that causes us harm, than anything that causes us to worry. And that in the Eucharist, when we meet him in the Eucharist, in the celebration, and especially in the reception of Holy Communion, we can find a foretaste of eternal life that is bigger than any problems, bigger than anything that is uh, persecuting us, that is causing us to lose our peace, and so that it allows us to find eternal life. So we continue tomorrow, and tomorrow we look at numbers 1345 through 1347. God bless.